Hello and welcome to the 2020 Criterion Month Draft. That's right, the only sport that has had no trouble adjusting to social distancing is still going strong in this shitty, shitty year in which we're living. Uh, as always, the three draftees are Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. And over the month of July, uh, we'll be reviewing a Criterion Collection movie every single day on our blog, which is mildlypleased.com. How excited are you guys to be back and doing it again? Uh, very excited. excited. This is great yeah. motivation to, to watch good movies. Like, you know what I've been doing lately? I've been watching Jackass. So this I feel like this will even out my uh, my culture for the year. I'm on the low end of it right now. I could use some some high-end culture. We yeah. are... This is, oh, go ahead, Colin. I was just going to say I'm a little scared because we didn't do it that ahead of time. I feel like every year we usually do it in April, around the time of the NFL draft. Oh, yeah. Late April. Did that happen this year? It did. It was virtual. Okay. You could still send virtual booze to Roger Goodell. <laughs> People <laughs> love that. People are like, this should just be like this all the time. This is too fun. <laughs> okay. But this year we're doing it like a week ahead of Criterion <laughs> Month, which I guess is fine. It's not like any of us usually watch the movies that far in advance. I don't think I ever Absolutely. have. <laughs> I, I usually watch one or two in June. And that's about it. I did want to mention that this is the fourth time we've done this, but it's also the um, the second Criterion Month where the Criterion Channel has existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, how much have you used the Criterion Channel since last July? I'm going to defer to uh, Colin on this one. Not, <laughs> not as much as I should. You know, every once in a while. Probably like once a month, honestly. I have used it zero times. Wow. (laughs) I feel like I watched one thing on it, but I can't think of what it was, so maybe zero things have I watched on the Criterion channel in the year I've paid to be subscribed to it. (laughs) You know, even if you're not watching, it's it's good to support them. (laughs) It feels, yeah. There are other streaming services. Filmstruck went under, so I'm happy to be a loyal supporter of this. And hey, 10 movies... 11 movies in my case in one month kind of justifies the whole year. Because this shit's expensive and there might not be uh, Barnes and Nobles to have Criterion Month sales anymore pretty soon, so. Well, at least (laughs) barnesandnobles.com will be around for this Criterion Month. Maybe I'll I'll pick up a a Blu-ray or two. Absolutely. Online. So, what was everybody's approach this year? Colin, what was your approach? I took the same approach I did last year, which worked out for me pretty well, where I just tried to get a wide variety of types of films, just like a variety of countries I chose films from and a variety of what 
decades I try to choose films from. I'm not sure if I got every decade since like the 20s. I actually didn't pick any 20s movies. But from the 30s onwards, I think I have a movie from each decade. No, I don't have any from the 50s or the 2010s. But, you know, there's there's a lot of time (laughs) that's gone by in the history of film. So it's it's hard to cover everything. But that's kind of always my approach is just like variety. That's so smart. Uh, you know, you gotta space them out. I I feel like I fall into a rut every year where it's like, oh, I've picked six movies in the same <laughs> decade, so basically I have to post every day of that week. Yeah, that's another thing. You don't want to <laughs> overwork yourself during like one specific week of July. John, did you have a theme this year? I fell back on one I've done before. I was originally going to do genres, but there was two films in particular, and I'll talk about them when they come up. That. I've been like, oh, I'm going to watch it this year, I'm going to watch it this year, and then I pick some theme where it doesn't fit into it, so I can finally watch those movies. I went with the decades list, so I have a movie from the 20s up to the 2010s, and that'll oh, space nice. it out nice for me. And it's like, i got a good mix of countries. Um, probably leans a little heavy into United States and France, which I feel like is the bulk of art house yeah. cinema. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm pretty happy with it. It's got a good mix of, uh, of, of stuff, so it should be fun. What about um, you, Sean? I do have a theme this year. Usually my theme is the best movies of all time. Um, <laughs> but but this year um, I was feeling a, uh, a lot of white guilt over um, being too scared of the virus to go to these protests. Um, and so I'm going to channel that white guilt into uh, virtue signaling on the blog. Uh, I've made all my selections from the uh, the collection of free African American films um, that Criterion has made available on the Criterion Channel website. Um, so if you want to follow along at home and don't want to be a sucker like me and throw away a year's worth of uh, of uh, subscription money, I believe you can watch every single movie that I'll be reviewing, uh, except for my eleventh bonus film. Uh, for free on the Criterion Channel website. Awesome. Um, so are these all movies in the Criterion Collection, or are they just ones on Criterion Channel? I believe they're all in the Criterion Collection, but it might be the case that some of them are only on Criterion Channel. Okay. Um, I did choose all feature-length films. There are a few short films and like weird experimental documentaries mixed in on that collection too um, that you can discover on your own. Also, I will say it's kind of hard to figure out what these movies are because there's not like a button with like here's all the movies that are for free to watch on the Criterion Channel website right now. Um, So I've gone off of someone else's like letterbox list of those movies. So I'm assuming that they're all free but it might be the case that somebody added just like open up each movie and kind of scrub through it and kind of describe what you're seeing <laughs> what you think it's about and then when you actually watch it it'll be a surprise <laughs> yeah maybe i was wrong <laughs> oh that's yeah. not what it's about okay well this sounds like it's going to be interesting then because it sounds like john's just going to have a bunch of movies i've heard of and sean's going to have a bunch of movies a bunch like of movies everybody's heard of, heard of. Yeah. I picked the po- the popular. I'm the cool kids club pick mm-hmm. class. I don't know what I'm trying to communicate. <laughs> the cool kids club class, of course. We all <laughs> we all knew. The cool Is class. that a sub genre on the Criterion website? Um, 
Is is that the <laughs> the KKKK? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. It's not that. I just picked more. I just picked like fairly notable films for the most part. Yeah, yeah not sounds go good. Okay. I've done that. I love that. I picked it's, the sh- I picked the old school Sean approach. You know what's fun is writing a review of a five star movie. It's very satisfying. I did. I don't know. We did do the Halloween edition of Criterion Month, and I got to do a half star movie when I watched Sallow or 120 Days of Sodom. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of five half star movies on my Letterboxd. So. Do you know what your most common rating is on Letterboxd? It's got to be three and a half stars. Pretty sure I'm, mine is four. I think for a long time mine was three and a half, but I pulled it up to four. I don't know. That's not interesting. It's gonna anyway. be hard. Yeah, I just want to go on my letterbox now. But yeah, I'll do it later. Um, I, I so I don't. I think we don't know for sure if this is precedent. But what we're doing this year is we're picking um, in order of who's written the most posts this year. Um, which you know, in sports, it's like uh, you know, the higher picks go to the worst teams. Uh, in, in Criterion Month the highest picks go the, the people put the effort in on the blog i think that's a fair i think that's a good system if we can remember to do it next year um i think we'll be happy to keep it going so We're colin's also, pretty much locked up the number one pick for the rest of eternity <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he's putting in the work he's earned it yeah. yeah um also we're just doing a uh like a normal one two three one two three draft we're not doing like a snake thing uh we're not doing trades yeah <laughs> um so really, the only thing you have to look out for is if someone picks something, no one else can pick it, uh, which pretty obvious. It'd be bizarre if we had back-to-back reviews of the same movie on the blog. Um, yeah. So yeah, like we said, Colin uh, is definitely the post leader uh, for 2020, uh, followed by John and then me. So Colin, you have the first pick of 2020's Criterion Month. Okay, well, my first pick is one that... I guess is my number one because I was afraid Shaw was going to pick it because in one of its opening paragraphs on its Wikipedia page it says it has been hailed by many critics as one of the greatest films of all time. (laughs) Coming for it. Yeah, it is a 1934 French film called Atalante. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, The director was Jean Vigo. Uh... It seems like a remarkable film because it was the only feature-length film that John Vigo directed before he died at the age of 29. Shit. So, yeah. It's a film that supposedly influenced the French New Wave uh, pretty heavily. I don't know much else about it. Is it about a boat? Um, probably. It's I know you watched, you watched Titanic not that long ago. Are you in a boat mood? <laughs> I, I didn't really think about that when choosing this, uh, but yeah, sure. I, I can really enjoy whatever nautical hijinks are going down in La Atlante. So it means the passing barge. It sounds like a boat. What is a barge exactly? When you when you when you guys envision a barge, how's that different from like a ship? It's just a kind of ship. I think of it as like, uh, like the um, Captain Phillips, like you know, like a one of those like it's like Holland, Holland stuff. It's like a real a working man's boat. 
Yeah. You're not taking a vacation on a barge. <laughs> yeah, you're a, a flat bottom boat for carrying freight. So this is a working man's boat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be passing something. Wow, I'm looking at the original running time was 65 minutes. That was the nice. the restored version is 89 minutes. Do you know anything uh, about that, Colin? Like too bad, Colin. Restored was this movie lost at sea? I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> we haven't all done research on these movies. Yeah, I haven't done any research. That's what you but, uh, do after you watch thing. the movie that, and you have to write what? about it. <laughs> that's what's fun. We can just speculate. Like, yeah. why was this originally so short? What happened to the director? What's a bar? Well, we already know that. He died. <laughs> we, yeah, but like, how? <laughs> Probably of an illness. I'm not going to look it up. I'm going to wait for your review. Okay. Unless it's not really relevant information to the movie. Yeah. Like, how he died. I've definitely heard of this movie. I always get it mixed up it's... with the Adventura because of the similar title. Oh, yeah. A uh, past Criterion pick for me. So I've heard of this, but I, yeah, I don't really know much about it. I'm yeah. excited to hear about it. You can never go wrong with France. They they pretty much own the Criterion Collection. <laughs> pretty much. They're like the New York Yankees of the Criterion <laughs> Collection. <laughs> All right, so... John is next. Yes. Yeah. My first pick is a movie both of you guys have seen, so I want you guys to sell me on why I should watch it or why I'll like it, you, you think. We've actually talked about it fairly recently. I'm going to go with Portrait of a Lady on Fire because it was a pretty wow. recent addition to the Criterion That's Collection. It's already in there, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, they just dropped it on, on Hulu, but I knew that from our last podcast when Sean yeah. talked about it. Okay, so guys, pretend that I've only ever seen, like... I've seen, like, no movies. I'm, like, a regular guy. Maybe I've seen Infinity War. What does this movie have in it that uh, might be interesting to me? Um, well, it depends. Have you also seen paintings before? I've seen a few <laughs> and on some calendars. Okay. Well, you're going to see some good paintings in this. Like it. Like and you're going to get to see them being made, yeah. which is so cool. Like they hired the the painter who did all the paintings to actually be on set, and they they film her hands. So as a person like, who's only seen a few paintings, like you're, you're going to get a deep dive on what what paintings are all about. Nice, 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 nice. And is there any fire in the movie? There's a, yes. there's a little bit of fire. There is fire. Yeah, not a ton of fire, but there's some fire. Because there's some fire in Infinity War, so I'm pretty excited for more fire. <laughs> I mean, don't expect an Infinity War level of fire. Okay. I um, thought there'd be none, though. There's, so, some, there's, some, there's some good singing. Good singing, love singing. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like when you talked about it on the pick, I, I compared it to other recent, like, tragic period piece queer love stories. Like uh, the favorite or Call Me by Your Name. Um, read you about like those, those in Entertainment right? oh, Weekly. Read, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind of skimmed them, but yeah, I know about them. Haven't seen them yet. Oh, so you are a connoisseur of magazines. I skim. I'm a skimmer. <sighs> okay. I mostly like the ads. Yeah. You know. And this is great. This will get me all queued up to watch. Uh, portrait of a lady on fire who kicked the hornet's nest right <laughs> sequel <laughs> <laughs> but 
But real talk, I'm very excited to to rank this on Letterbox because of the fire rating. Like yeah, once you dropped rating. that nugget, Sean, I was like, oh my god, I gotta watch this immediately so I can have a sweet fire rating. And I want to, and I'm expecting to see a lot of fire, like in my rating. <laughs> the more yeah, times I, I can see it. that fire icon, the better. <laughs> so excited, back to back France. I'm gonna keep a like a, a score count for the countries. Cool. I'm, I'm curious to see how many countries we hit on and um, how many from each country. Don't All right. expect many from me. Okay. I'm pretty much just in the USA. Okay. Uh, including my first pick, which is a silent movie from 1925. Uh, it is a film called Body and Soul, uh, written, directed, and distributed by Oscar Michaud. Um, the movie was a, uh, a, a big uh, feature for its star, Paul Robeson, uh, who plays two roles in the movie. I guess he's playing an escaped prisoner uh, going around this town of Tatesville, Georgia, and he's also playing this uh, reverend. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if he's like a fun reverend that everybody loves or like a scary reverend that everybody hates. Um, but it's a, you know... Uh, one of the few uh, Criterion Collection movies from the silent era that is uh, predominantly black cast, uh, written, directed, produced uh, by uh, African American man, um, and for that reason, it has gone on uh, to be historically relevant. I'm sure for more than just its production. I'm sure that there is uh, parts of of the filmmaking or the storytelling that are uh, historically relevant too, and I can't wait to find out what that is. I've actually heard of yeah. uh, Oscar Michaud. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and Paul Robeson. Uh, nice. So I kind of know what this is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't really know much other than that. Oscar Michaud is kind of heralded as the first kind of major black filmmaker. Well, that's I didn't know there were any it. black silent films. That's interesting. Yeah. Did Oscar Michaud make many films? Like how he did? I mean, in the silent era, come on, you crack one out every other every couple. I days. guess I guess you could. Every couple of days. <laughs> well, it was quick. I don't know if the turnaround was every couple of days. You know, busy. it was if you're uh, if Roger Corman had been making films during the silent era, he would have made way more films because he's just he shot like a little shop of horrors in two days. So. Wikipedia says he is the most successful African-American filmmaker of the first half of the 20th century. And he went on to make uh, sound films, too. And there is a long list of movies he made. Yeah. Between 1919 and 1948, he made quite a lot. All right. Cool. Okay, so mine is another one that I was afraid Shroud would pick. I'm surprised Shot hasn't picked it yet. It seems like something you'd be into. It is uh, Lady Snowblood, Japanese. Oh, movie. yeah, that's been a contender. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know, it's like a Japanese action movie. It sounds like it's pretty bloody, but also pretty uh, beautiful. Uh, it's like a revenge story about a lady in, I don't know. I don't know what period of Japan's history it is. Feudal Japan? I don't know. But she goes on like a revenge spree to track down, uh, I don't know, 
these dudes that raped her mother and killed her father and brother. Those guys gotta die. Oh yeah. Uh, supposedly influenced Kill Bill quite a bit. This is like one of the big uh-huh. ones for Kill Bill, right? Yeah. One of the big influences. <laughs> well, I'm looking at a shot, and it's this shot from Kill Bill, and then there's a shot from Lady Snowblood, and they're basically the same. <laughs> well, sure. Why not? Oh, there's multiple, including some snow stuff. Um, I believe there's a second one of these that has a cool uh, subtitle. Does anyone... Yeah, I can tell you right now, it's called Lady Snowblood Love Song of Vengeance. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, love song, but then it's a vengeance. Hell yeah. So yeah. Who who directed this, do you know? Toshia Fujita. Seems like this is his big thing. His movies. He was an actor in Tampopo. Another Criterion thing. Alright, let me put Japan down for all the countries. Well, it sounds like the United States is going to win, but I'm still going to keep a count. I'm still going to keep a count. So you get silver and bronze. Okay, I'll go. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I've never been sure how to say this. Maybe Sean knows. E2 Mama Tambien? How do you how do you say the Y That's how I've in Spanish said. language? Is yeah, it E... I think it's I think C. C. Okay. I just, because Sean, I know you took some Spanish classes. Or how long, how long did you take Spanish? In seventh grade, I took a semester of Spanish. Okay. So you're, the, you're definitely the, the expert of this group. I, I will so. say, for the record, it is the only class I've ever taken in my entire life where the teacher took me aside at the end of class one day and said, you are not making as much progress as the rest of the class. You need to you need to do more work outside of class to keep up with us. That's so time fucked that up. ever happened That's to Devastating. Me. Damn, I'm sorry. Uh, anyways, <laughs> this is uh, Alfonso Curion, director of Prisoner of Azkaban and A Little Princess, but this is probably his his movie where I feel like where he really became a critical darling because it's more personal, um, and it's a road movie, right? That has Colin. You have to have seen this, right? I have. It was yeah. a while ago. It's been oof, probably about ten years since I've seen it, <laughs> so I don't remember. But it you know, too obviously, well. since Curon has gone on to be, you know, this this great filmmaker twice winning best director at the oscars you know definitely got to check out the film that i feel like really put him on the map and it's got diego luna and gail garcia barnall and i feel like there's a period of time where they are often going up for like the same roles so it's crazy for me to think that they were in a movie together and i guess they've always been like pretty good buddies too because i didn't know that um but i really don't know much about the movie oh it was nominated for an oscar for interesting original screenplay, but not best foreign film. Hmm. That, that probably doesn't happen that often. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, I have liked all of his all of his movies so far. Seems like a sure thing. It's definitely one of those ones that's been on like my watch list for like a decade. You know, <laughs> it's like I gotta watch it someday. Was it in your Netflix so. disc queue back when you had? One? Oh, abs. One thousand percent, it was for many years, floating around, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. 
because you know it's sometimes hard to get excited about those movies that are just kind of slice of life movies but uh when it's from, from such an established auteur you, you know I'll, I'll be honest for me what's kept me away is um the movie's reputation for being a pretty pretty sexy film <laughs> <laughs> And I'm trying to think if I've ever watched a pretty... Yeah, I know. Of course I have. I watched Blue is the Warmest Color uh, a few years ago. Yeah. That's NC-17, right? Damn. I didn't really go into, to, to, you know, in depth on that in my review, but... Yeah. And it's a long movie, too. But I'm not, there's nothing wrong with a little sexy. You know, I think our blog could be a little sexier <laughs> from time to time. Sure. Maybe this is what it needs. I mean, I, yeah, I don't remember it being sexy in a way that was like gratuitous or exploitative. I I think it's <laughs> sexy in a way that's kind of liberating to watch. So it's yeah, I remember it being pretty good. All right, uh, Sean. Um. So I'm just going through these chronologically, um, and my second pick. Uh, I, I tell me if you guys have heard of this one. It's called mm-hmm. the Blood of Jesus. Yeah. When did it come out? Nineteen forty-one. Okay. I've jumped up from the twenties to the forties. This movie, uh, what stood out to me immediately is that it is written by, directed by, and starring Spencer Williams, uh, better known as Andy of Amos and Andy. Oh, the uh, TV show from the fifties. Um, but this does not sound like a light uh, comedy entertainment. This sounds pretty heavy. I mean, it is called "The Blood of Jesus." The poster is uh, really good. The poster does say on it, "Mighty Epic of Modern Morals." Um, so I think you can get the idea that this is about. Uh, I, I, from what I've I've seen in the synopsis, it's something about. Uh, you know the uh, the righteous uh, rural folks versus the decadent urban folks, um, and lots of like good good old Christian values. Uh, I'm looking through the cast. I see Satan is one of the characters in the yes! movie. Yes, so. yes. Because I'm looking at this poster. Connie, have you seen the poster of this movie? No. Okay, so there's a drawing. That, I'm going to describe the post here. There's a crucifix with looks like it has some images from the film. And then on the, bo- the top right, there's a, a woman angel with a halo. In the bottom left-hand corner is Satan, like old-timey Satan with the, like, the Van Dyke beard and the horns, and he's stroking his beard in a very evil way. Mm-hmm. I can't believe Satan's going to be in this movie. Old-timey Satan. That sounds very interesting. Me? Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it does seem to have uh, some historical relevance for being like a pretty intensely Christian, you know, f- film. Uh, so we'll see how I feel about that. Uh, but I'm definitely interested to check this movie out. You know, uh, probably pretty early in the month of July. It's funny that you mention uh, this this movie because I was walking, I was taking my dog for a walk on the the uh, Cross Kirkland corridor recently. Um, and you know that's like an area that's heavily wooded like big trees everywhere and there's houses nearby but you can't really see any of them and I was just walking down and I heard like a big group of people it sounded like 20 30 people and they're saying nothing but the blood of Jesus 
And, you know, it's a nice song, but, like, hearing it in that setting where you can't see where it's coming from when you're, like, all alone <laughs> is, like, really creepy. It's kind of feel like, is it a horror movie? Yeah. Any minute now, old-timey Satan was going to sneak out. It's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's just interesting, because I had that song on my mind recently. Mm-hmm. So I assume this has to do with that song. Well, what the song has to do with, I assume, from... Never mind. does that do this. Who knows? All right. Call All right. So my uh, next pick is a British movie from 1949 called Kind Hearts and Coronets. It's a comedy where a guy is trying to get, like, his family's inheritance... But, like, standing in the way of him is, like, a bunch of his relatives. I'm not sure how many. It's like eight or nine, maybe ten. Anyways, they're all played by Alec Guinness. (laughs) And the whole movie is just about him, like, killing all the family members. Uh, Sounds like a delightfully dark comedy. It was produced by um, Ealing Studios, which did uh, quite a few of these types of comedies. I've actually seen a few of them. Um, they they made the original Lady Killers and the Lavender Hill Mob, which also star Alec Guinness. Uh, I love Alec Guinness. <laughs> he's pretty great. It's a shame he's only known as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but whatever. What you gonna do? It's better than being remembered for nothing because no one remembers any of these movies. But I think this is supposed to be like the best of the Ealing comedies. So I'm pretty excited to see it. Hell yeah, dude. Also, it was photographed by... Indiana Jones? (laughs) He got behind the camera for this one. (laughs) Douglas Slocum, the cinematographer of the Indiana Jones trilogy. Love how those movies look. Also, cinematographer of Rollerball. <laughs> We've all seen that movie. How come Rollerball's not in the Criterion Collection, you guys? It's got classical music in it. It, it should be in the Criterion Collection. You kind of should just because it's so fucking weird. I was expecting like this kind of, like I don't know, exploitation movie, but it's way more like solemn and just slow. It's a bizarre film. Also, it would probably have really cool artwork for the Criterion oh cover. Oh, my God. It, it'd just be a rollerball. Yeah. Wait, that, was that, was there actually rollerball? Were there balls in... I don't even remember the game now. I just remember guys wailing on each other. Yeah, I think there were balls. It was just... Okay. It was more it's about It's kind of like rugby on skates, I think. Yeah. Now, I've definitely heard of this movie, Colin, but I don't know why I've heard of this movie. Hmm. I, I guess it has Alec Guinness, so I, I know him. I'm just, you know... I'm looking at all the things that I know here. Yeah. Just to get the math correct, he's playing nine characters, it looks like. Jesus Christ! That's like uh, what Jack Nicholson wanted to do for Mars Attacks, where he wanted to be every character, <laughs> but they only gave him two. One of the greatest missed opportunities in Hollywood history. But in the UK, they do it right. Yeah. Well. Um. And which is why my film stars one of the the great British actors. Uh, it is an American film, though, and it's the Great Dictator, the Hitler comedy movie. Kind of right. What's the deal, Colin? Is, I, have, 
I haven't seen it. Uh, oh, really? It really seems like a Colin movie. I'm just like... And just that you've seen it, yeah, not that. Uh, I'm just not like that in love with Charlie Chaplin. I like some of his movies, but like really? I'm not a... I, mean, I guess I'm not... It's not my, my favorites, but I feel like I've seen most of the big ones. Yeah, I'm not... Except for this one. I mean, I have two. I, I've seen like Modern Times and City Lights and The Gold Rush and The Kid, but never got around to this one. Um, one of his few... Talkies, at least that I know yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the big thing in this movie is a speech. Have you seen the speech before, Colin? No, I haven't even seen the speech. I've seen the speech. I've seen the speech. I guess Sean and I are the experts on this movie. Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, here's here's the brief uh, premise on uh, IMDb. Oh my God, his name is so great. Dictator Adenoid Hinkle tries to expand his empire while a poor Jewish barber tries to avoid persecution from Hinkle's regime. Uh, I don't really know what the angle is here, you know, making fun of, obviously, Hitler and stuff. But I don't know if this is, like, I don't imagine this is, like, slapstick. This is probably a different kind of comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, he did write, direct, and star in it, um, like most of his movies. Uh, And, you know, I I saw the movie The Dictator with Sacha Baron Cohen, so I figure if, you know... Like, that was amazing, obviously, so this is probably at least, uh, like, as good. Did guys, did you guys ever tell you about my experience seeing The Dictator in theaters? I don't think so. I prob- what was your I prob- experience? So I, I saw it um, in Ellensburg, a uh, small theater. And, you know, there's times where you go to a movie and it's kind of weird when you see it by yourself. But this was almost weirder because this is a comedy movie and it was me and one other person. <laughs> so, like, it's something so weird. And I wasn't really, like, vibing on the movie for most of the time. So, like, every once in a while I'd just be watching it and I'd hear, heh. <laughs> Just hearing one guy laugh. There's something so weird about that. And then there's a couple times where I'd go, eh. But then he wouldn't laugh. <laughs> it's like this weird back and forth of just like one person laughing out loud in a big empty room. Uh, yeah, no, it actually wasn't a good movie. I'm sorry to say. But uh, it had one joke that I liked in it. And in retrospect, it's in pretty poor taste. And I'm not going to go into it. Uh, I'll tell you off podcast. Um, don't see that, but great I'm dictator. You, you, I can't. I saw that movie in Oakland, California. Yeah, on a vacation. Yeah. So I have even more reason to remember things from that movie. And the only scene I remember is the one. I think it's in the trailer where the guys like your HIV Aladdin because they've changed like all the words to the guy's name. Yes, he doesn't yes, know if yes, he's yes. HIV positive or negative because he's like, no, 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 you're not HIV Aladdin, you're HIV Aladdin. And it's like, oh. <laughs> At least they got the funny name uh, part, right? Oh, wow, Charlie Chaplin is playing multiple characters in this movie? That's what the British people like to do. <laughs> what you gotta do. It looks like he's playing the, the Hitler-type character, but he's also playing a Jewish barber who's the hero of the movie. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Here we go. Kind of like the Eddie Murphy of his time, I guess. Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. All right. That's another one for Team USA. Sean, you got another one for Team USA? Uh, This is my only one that is not an American film. Oh, okay. Uh, I think you attribute this one to France. Uh, But if you want, you can put it in Senate. No! <laughs> you picked. You picked uh, one of my movies. 
Gotcha, bitch. I was afraid of this. Uh, I should have gone. So. Wow, this is unprecedented. Yeah. <laughs> a Colin pick being taken away? What is it, this Sean? This is 1966's Black Girl, uh, which is uh, directed and written by uh, Osmane Sembene, uh, who uh, is from, I guess, at the time it was called uh, French West Africa, but Senegal now. Um, and uh, it's the story of a, uh, a young woman who moves to uh, Antibi, France uh, to work for a rich French couple, um, and then they don't treat her good despite her, uh, her dreams of you know, getting to live in a cool uh, you know, cosmopolitan lifestyle. That's what I learned from Wikipedia. Uh, I uh, picked this one out. Uh, because when I was Googling the movies on this list, uh, I saw that this was considered um, like kind of the first big deal, uh, you know, critical darling from uh, sub-Saharan Africa, or at least from a sub-Saharan African filmmaker. Um, and because it's Criterion Month, I didn't want to just do entirely American movies. I didn't realize that that would sabotage all of Colin's plans. <laughs> well, you I know, love it. I like to do a variety of countries. I was like, let's, let's get Africa on the board. <laughs> but you, you did it before we... Whatever, it's fine. Mark one for did, Team Senegal. Yeah. Did you have? Did you want to m- mention anything? No, I, I don't got much. I mean, I thought it was interesting that the director... Uh, seems like he started more as like a, a writer, like a literary guy, and then he got into directing movies because he wanted to like bring his like the themes that were in his books to larger audiences. That's all. That's cool. Yeah. Do, well, do you have an alternate, or do we need to take a little? I, I got some alternates. I'll figure okay. something out. Um, I'll get this one out of the way. I kind of thought Sean might pick it, but I think it's a little too white <laughs> for his theme. <laughs> but it is another film with uh, Paul Robeson in it. It is a 1936 film called Showboat. It's a musical based on uh, Oscar Hammerstein stage production God, you're the boat here for calling i love <laughs> boat i love my boats you're boat crazy i just i can't get enough god it's <laughs> it has been a long time since i've been on a boat well i guess it hasn't i, you, I was on let the magic of film take you yeah there. i was on a ferry around christmas i guess that wasn't that long ago um so yeah it's a movie that has a few black actors in it but it seems like they're mostly uh supporting characters um i believe uh hattie mcdaniel's in it also who won uh, the best supporting actress oscar for gone with the wind which showboat is this i'm noticing multiple showboats 1936 which i believe is the only one on the criterion collection i think it pretty recently came out what? on Criterion. This is a James Whale movie? That's another reason why I was interested in, because this is a movie directed by James Whale. We did The Invisible Man as Invisible a pick a few months ago, and I was like, this guy is pretty great. <laughs> uh, and I feel like his 
I don't know, aesthetic would work pretty well in a musical. Um, well, his movies are always very campy and fun, yeah. so it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I love how tall the poster for this is on Wikipedia. <laughs> it is fucking epic. I would love to have this hanging I've, in my room. Yeah. I've never seen a movie poster this tall before. And it's well, back in the day, they didn't wide. give a shit. <laughs> Just put it wherever. <laughs> you expecting a wide poster? I've seen wide posters, so I, it's more expected. But I guess I guess I, I respect this more. <laughs> I'm just shocked that there's a movie in the Criterion Collection directed by James Whale and produced by Carl Amell Jr., basically the creator of the Universal Monsters. Yeah. Please tell me there's a boat monster in here somewhere. <laughs> he sings a song. I hope so. Yeah, this is the... I like a sea serpent! This is the movie that has uh, Paul Robeson singing Old Man River in it. That's... Oh, that's pretty famous. Yeah. They definitely parodied that on The Simpsons, which is my only point for uh, pop culture. Sure. That's where I learn everything. Yeah. Do you guys know much about Rodgers and Hammerstein? Not really. Not really. Is this where you drop all your knowledge of Rodgers and Hammerstein? Well, I, I guess there's the, they're the, the sound of music, right? I think so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... It's just like, it seems like they're so they seem very important, yeah. and I don't really know anything about them. For example, I didn't know that they wrote things separately as well. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me that this is just Hammerstein, that's what it looks like. Hmm. He actually wrote the movie, <laughs> in addition to the the musical it's based on. Nah, I'm getting a mix up with uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. (laughs) You need to learn a lot about them so you can start writing for Aaron Sorkin shows. And The Simpsons. Yeah. Why why do these These, educated people know that much about (laughs) Gilbert and Sullivan? It's just what they teach you at Harvard. Nerd shit. I feel like even... Frazier had like Gilbert and Sullivan reference. Well, yeah, when he was um, sideshow Bob in that Cape Fear episode, he sings all of the HMS Pinafore. So he's singing that like modern general song and stuff. It's pretty great. Like Bart has him sing the whole opera or musical or whatever. It's a great moment. I don't know Roger the Hammerstein very well though, but I'll learn so much from reading Colin's review. Yeah. Possibly. And you know what you're going to learn about from the review of my movie? You're going to learn about fighting. <laughs> Sweet. Because <laughs> I'm right, going to do right. police story. Hell yeah. I know, Sean, you've got the sweet. Don't you have the sweet criterion of this? I do. Yeah. And I've got the Criterion Bruce Lee collection coming, I think, this month. Oh, that's new, right? Yeah, that's just coming out. Awesome. Well, I wanted to watch this because I really just haven't seen enough Jackie Chan movies. I feel like I'm always seeing clips. I'm like, that's incredible. That's amazing. Look at he's fighting somebody with a barrel. He's fighting somebody with a chair. He's jumping some ridiculous distance. Uh, So the fact that one of those is deemed like significant art to be put in the Criterion Collection, I'm like, hell yeah, got to check that out. Sean, what can you uh, tell me about Police Story to get me excited for Police Story? Well, first of all, he's a cop. 
Uh, so I believe he does carry a gun, but he'll never use it because he's Jackie Chan. I'm hoping he like kind of throws it at people. <laughs> Jackie, Jackie um, likes to throw things. I'm trying to remember specifically what the plot is in the first one. I know uh, he's always letting down his girlfriend. And he does accidentally punch her one time, but I don't think it's in this one. That's pretty messed up. Not selling it on me yet. <laughs> I think this is this the one with the shopping mall. If it's the one with the shopping mall, uh, basically he fights like a million guys. He's like throwing them all through glass windows and shit, and throwing himself too because he's Jackie Chan. Um, and then he he does a death-defying leap that he did in real life, where he suffered. Uh, like a broken back from falling the distance he fell, as well as like burns his arms and hands because he jumps onto an electric like wire and a pole, and so he's oh. conducting electricity into his body oh on God. accident. Yeah, I've heard about the stunt. I wasn't sure if this was the movie that that stunt was in. Holy I, shit! I think it is that. I mean, the uh, the first four police story movies are awesome. <laughs> I'm just kind of skimming the plot, and I see double-decker bus, and I'm like, okay, this is my kind of movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know what he does on that bus, and it's crazy. Because he I does it. That. He does it. You see the, the, the bloopers at the end of the movie, and it's like, oh, shit, he's doing this. It's like, you know, people always give Tom Cruise all these props for doing these death-defying stunts, but, like, Jackie did it, was doing it way back when times were even less safe. <laughs> Doing all this there, crazy shit. Uh, I think it's Rumble in the Bronx is the one where he jumps um, like off a cliff onto a moving boat. So Colin would like it. Jesus. Yeah, yeah um, get big on boat. the boat. <laughs> and he breaks his ankle terribly. And because movies are so expensive, what he does is after he gets his cast on is he gets like a... He gets it like painted to look like a sneaker. And then he does the rest of the movie with a cast on his leg. Jackie Chan is an insane person. What's the one where he dresses up like Chun Li? You ever see that clip I've or see that, that movie? I don't think I've seen that movie. I'm looking. Oh, I think it's this movie called City Hunter. It's an amazing clip where Jackie Chan dresses up like Chun Li from Street Fighter. It's so cool. Like just watching that one sequence, like this is what the Street Fighter movie should have been. It should have starred Jackie Chan as Chun Li. It was amazing. I, I want to say he's more of the Street Fighter characters too. Right? I think it has like Blanca in it and stuff. It has like or or like yeah. E Honda. Yeah, it's got like a, a mix of characters like fighting in this weird kind of fantasy sequence. It definitely has. You're right. It does have E Honda. I'm seeing. Hell yeah. So hopefully next year they put City Hunter on. A... <laughs> well, you know what's great about picking a movie with a sequel is that next year I can pick I can pick a uh, Police Story Two. So if any of you guys pick Police Story Two, I'm going to hate you. <laughs> Oh, you're gonna love it! All right, excited. And then All the right. third one, you know, the third one has Michelle. I yet. don't. My favorite. Really? All right. So I'm marking down one for Hong Kong. Sean, what do you got? Yeah, I'm doing a Colin and watching a crazy experimental documentary. On <laughs> um, a Colin. Do uh, I do that? <laughs> well, let's watched, see what it is. I guess you watched. Koyota's I guess Katsi I did that. I did it once. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Um, that was sweet. I'm so glad I did that. It's a great soundtrack. <laughs> uh, I'll be watching 1968's Symbio Psycho Taxiplasm, which is a very long word I've learned how to say. Uh, it's a film by William Greaves, uh, who is a uh, documentary and I think uh, 
non-documentary filmmaker. Um, do you guys know who he is? That would all, that always helps me if you guys just know these people. Nah. Who is it? I don't. William Greaves. Greaves. Uh, I don't know him, by, know him by name, no. I know Peter Graves. Uh, I'm looking. <laughs> Peter Graves, really? <laughs> I do know he... Uh, this 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 movie sometimes has the subtitle take one symbiopsycho taxi plasm take one and that's because he did a sequel in 2005 um so a lot later um so this one is a it's it sounds like it's a documentary about them trying to figure out what kind of movie they're making so it's like a it's sort of like a i guess proto uh found footage movie Sort of. Ooh, I like that. Because it's, you know, it's it's a filmmaker filming the filmmakers making the film you're watching. Um, it's a trip. So, it's, you know, it's it's the 60s, it's counterculture, it's, you know, it's innovative, it's messing around uh, with form and function. It got uh, put in the Library of Congress, so that's cool. I mean, not not just everything. I mean, a lot of things can't get into the Library of Congress, but this is one of them. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little scared of it because the title is a very long word. And it sounds really uh, weird, but that could be a really good thing too, right? Yeah. Paul? Sure. <laughs> Thanks. I need the support. <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued by this. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's I'm glad that you said who directed it because I was trying to like figure out what you'd said and trying to Google that, and I wasn't getting anything. It's hard to Google something when you don't know what you're googling. <laughs> what you just Google symbiopsychotaxiplasm? Yeah, well, I, I I see it now. Yeah, I got it. so good, good to go, ready for it Eat for your review at least. Yeah. You should do a review that's very like so. This is a documentary where he's filming the behind the scenes. You should write a review about you writing the review. <laughs> something to think about. I feel like I've basically done that already. <laughs> I feel like, uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to write? Uh, pretty sure I've written that review. Yeah. All right. So, Colin, your next pick is Captain Ron, right? I love <laughs> Captain Ron. I love that he's a captain. You know, I've never seen it. I've always wanted to see it. I don't know much about it. I feel like I heard something about like pretty much everyone who owns a boat and has a TV on the boat has a copy <laughs> of Captain Ron. <laughs> it's true. Uh, sorry to disappoint you. I don't think there's any boats in this movie. My next pick. Okay. But maybe there are. You can tell me. I'm pretty sure you've seen it. Uh, it's Mikey and Nikki. Seen it? I have seen this movie. This is a good movie. Yeah, um... Mike and Michael and I almost watched it on. Um, well, we were gonna watch it for an episode of Stream Place, mm-hmm. but then that episode never happened. But I still really liked the movie. Cool. Yeah, I feel like it's more like tough guys hanging out and one guy being afraid that something bad's gonna happen to him. Yeah, who's the tough guy and who's the afraid guy? Um, let me see if I can remember. I feel like John Cassavetes is he, is he afraid guy? That's my memory. I don't remember. I feel like they. I don't remember the movie very well. I feel like they could both be, either or. 
But yeah, it's a movie starring Peter Falk and John Cassavetes, directed by Elaine May. I remember M. Emmett Walsh is in, as a bus driver in a prominent cameo. It's a memorable scene. Uh, Just throwing out anything cool. I can remember. It's also got Ned Beatty. It seems weird to have Ned Beatty and M. Emmett Walsh in the same movie. <laughs> similar body types. Yeah, similar Both vibes. two potato-shaped men yeah. who are very bald. It's, I love that, it's though. Wild. Like This is like... He's a character actor's uh, wet dream, this movie. Yeah. I mean, except for John Cassavetes. He's, like, pretty handsome. <laughs> but, uh, having everyone else in there. Yeah. Um, I don't remember how, like, heavy on plot this movie was. I feel like it was... I don't know if I'd say it was, like, a hangout movie, but it's definitely just, like, two guys talking a lot. But, and it was pretty entertaining. Sounds like my kind and of... And it's Elaine May. She's pretty celebrated. Or maybe underrated. I don't know. Probably underrated. I haven't seen any of her movies. I've wanted to get into her, but uh, this is the only movie of hers on the Criterion channel, so this is where I gotta start <laughs> if I'm doing it this way. Yeah, I feel like she's kind of unfairly dragged down because she made Ishtar. Uh, it <laughs> seems like she probably made some other good stuff. She made so. the original Heartbreak Kid. I've always wanted to see that because it's got young Charles Grodin, which I, I can't grasp that concept. Seems like he was born old. He, he was born about 48 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta see that too. Um, but yeah, this was a very good movie. That's all I can I wish I could tell you more. I mean, I watched that was like, what, five years That's ago? That's all I need. Yeah, you'll like it. You'll like it. Uh, you're gonna like the weight. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that it's Columbo me, as it? that as the man to wear? You're gonna you're gonna like the way you look. You're gonna like it. Uh, good night, everybody. Uh, okay, and then Colin, maybe you can tell me about my uh, next movie, the movie that like I totally forgotten was on my list, and I don't know anything about it, but I know it's very famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from France. It's Grand Illusion. Ooh. You've seen this, right? Yeah, I don't remember it that well. Okay. <laughs> Is this the one with the... Here. <laughs> so funny, I don't even remember what I picked. Is it like a Prisoner of War I, camp it, movie or something like that? Maybe. <sighs> okay, yeah. This is the one where the where every time I look at the poster, I always think it's Orson Welles <laughs> with like a funny hairstyle. But it's not Orson Welles. Yeah. It's, a, it's a French movie. It's Jean Renoir. Renard, or however you say it, I watched one of his movies, was it last year or the year before that I watched Rules of the Game? But I watched it recently and enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So I want to check out more of this guy, and I feel like, you know, if you're going into French cinema, this is one of the heavy hitters, so you gotta get to Grand Illusion at some point. I feel like that's been one of my kind of missions in Criterion, when we do Criterion Month, is to see all the greatest French films when I can, because yeah, I remember I took movie. a a French cinema class in college, and there's a couple that we didn't see. I'm like, I'm going to see those. <laughs> so this is part of that mission. And I'm doing an okay job. Let me see. what what What's the premise we got here? I'm going to go to I'm the MDB. It stands for La Grand Illusion. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah, during World War One, two French soldiers are captured and imprisoned in a German POW camp. Several escape attempts follow until they're eventually sent to a seemingly inescapable fortress. I didn't even know that was the premise of the movie. I love prison movies. <laughs> I should just done all prison movies. Do you think there's a ten, just ten prison movies in the Criterion Collection? Maybe. There's probably a good amount, actually. 
There might be. I think there's a movie called like Riot in Cell Block 11. Yeah, the Don Siegel movie. And then there's that uh, Christmas Mr. Lawrence movie. Sure. There's got to be some more prison movies. Is Stalag 17 in this criterion? I don't think so. It should be. (laughs) Well, I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to start a write-in-letter campaign. I mean, I've already seen it, but I'd like to see it on Criterion. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, This will be interesting because it's always funny when you have to write about movies that are, like, so celebrated and have been written. uh, You know, there's been reviews written by, like, the most established and revered critics. And then just have me write my (laughs) review of it. First of all, it's okay, I guess. This is pretty cool. (laughs) Three and a half stars. (laughs) I feel like I gave I, I was like I took a stand on, on rules of the rules of the game and gave it like a fine review but not like glowing. Mm-hmm. But I liked it enough to want to check out more Jean Noir. So we'll see what happens this time. I think it's and, it is a it's a tough balance to like when you watch something that you know is hugely influential, uh, but you come to it later in life. It's it's hard to be like, well, I like so many of the things that were influenced by this that it's kind of dulled the impact of this thing. And I'd rather watch those things that were influenced by it than it. I never know yeah. how to like put that into a star rating. <laughs> Sorry, John Carter of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that in the Criterion Collection? <laughs> All right, Sean, um, what, do you, what do you got for us? I think my next one might not be in the Criterion Collection, but it's definitely a Criterion Channel movie. And okay. more importantly, it was a big deal that it was on the Criterion Channel um, because this movie was intended to be released in 1982, um, and it didn't come out until earlier this year. Um, what? I'm pretty shocked right now. <laughs> is this an American movie? It is. Um I do feel bad because I'm not like I'm not getting a complete picture of the history of African American cinema because you know I, I'm totally missing out on the exploitation era. You, you, you probably noticed I jumped from the '60s to the '80s because um, those movies aren't in the Criterion Collection. Um, so sorry about that, but I am because of this Criterion getting to see like some stuff that 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 might not have ever been seen by a lot of people, and and mm-hmm. one such example is Cane River. The uh, only movie uh, produced, written, directed by Horace B. Jenkins, um, a uh, a film about people in New Orleans, I guess. Uh, but but the like, what, yeah, it really stands out to me that this film uh, was considered lost because the uh, the director died shortly after it was released, uh, and it just never got a, a wide release after that. Um, and then uh, a version of the film was found and remastered uh, for the New Orleans Film Festival and then distributed by Oscilloscope uh, in February of this year. Um, And then due to COVID, uh, that was cut a little short, um, and so they put it up on the Criterion Collection. And um, so this this is the... The mo- like, it's the opposite of what you're doing with the Grand Illusion, where I don't have a lot of uh, critical writing to draw from, or even like even the Wikipedia page for this is fairly sparse. It's mostly just about the fact that it was rediscovered and restored and re-released. 
Um, wow. But I'm excited to check this movie out uh, and be part of the zeitgeist a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. This is a crazy story. This is wild that this happened, that they covered this. I see it was oscilloscope. You know yeah. who founded oscilloscope? Who? MCA of the BC Boys. <laughs> oh, pretty cool. Wow. Is this only available on the Criterion channel? Aside from those the, the screenings that it may have had? I think so. Wow. Well then, yeah, you gotta check it out if like this is like an exclusive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah dude! <laughs> Support Criterion Channel. Check out their exclusives. I can't imagine they have that many. Well, they probably do because they have a lot more obscure stuff. I don't imagine a lot of other uh, streaming services have um, Psycho Taxi or whatever it was. <laughs> Symbio Psycho Taxi Plasm. Wow, you really nailed that. I love uh, I love lost films because you know as you're watching it you kind of you, you keep thinking about how this was lost there you know and that kind of feel like that makes watching the film almost more interesting. Oh, and John, looking at the synopsis, you you might actually like this movie that says it's a recent college graduate and college football star who has turned down the NFL draft <laughs> to return to his small hometown in rural I, Louisiana to work on his father's football. farm and to write poetry. I love football, and football and poetry kick ass. And it's got this picture of him, and he's riding a horse, and he's holding a book at the same time. He looks so cool. It's pretty manly. This is like the manliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> An NFL guy who does poetry. <laughs> love it. Sounds great. Sounds good. Okay, so my... Right, Colin, hit us with your manly movie. My manly movie is about a manly man <laughs> named... Baron Munchausen. Uh, not the Terry Gilliam movie. I'm uh, doing the fabulous Baron Munchausen, a Czechoslovakian movie dr- oh, what the directed fuck? by Carol Zeman. <laughs> I didn't really know what this was or what this director's deal was, <laughs> but I like saw a bunch of his movies a few years ago. Came out on Criterion, and just looking at like the stills and the imagery from his movie, I was like, holy shit, this looks nuts like it looks very colorful like uh i don't know like a mishmash of of like i don't know epic fantasy and like animation uh, almost kind of like terry gilliam's uh monty python animation but also like kind of like george millier like it seems very silent movie influence too i don't know I don't know what's going on with this movie, but it looks kind of delightful. But we'll see. Don't know much about it. I'm, I'm really glad that the Criterion cover says Carol Zeman's in big letters on the top, because otherwise I would have been totally fooled. I would have just seen Baron Munchausen and not even thought about it, like based on the art. Yeah. No, I guess there was another Baron Munchausen movie. Which... I don't think Terry Gilliam saw before he made his, but he saw it like around the time he started making it. I think he even has a quote on the Wikipedia page where he's like, oh, I saw this, and it was like really good. Dude, these pictures are insane. I know, right? I, I... This is so weird. <laughs> wow. 
I okay, Terry Gilliam's a fucking liar, right? Because he's got, he had to have ripped this movie off all over the place. Like, what are the odds that he comes up with such a? He has a movie about the same character that looks like as fantastical. I feel like I don't know, man. He's up to some shit. <laughs> <laughs> then again, I mean, who knows how widely available this movie was yeah. um, for him? But then again, like, if anyone's going to pursue something unusual, I feel like it's someone like Terry Gilliam. Uh, but I don't know. I'm looking up. This guy's known as the Czech Millet. Milliers. I'm wondering if I'm just wondering if I've seen any, heard of his any other movies. Woo, Czech is a hard language. I know these he, titles are hard. He also did a movie with like lots of stop motion dinosaurs in it. That's called like the History of Time or something. And I was like, that Ooh. looks pretty cool. Also, is this is it this one called Journey to? Th- oh yeah, it's got multiple titles. Journey to the Beginning of Time, also Journey uh, to Prehistory. Yeah, that that's <laughs> oh, those are t- <laughs> that's a, which okay. is the better title? I like Journey to Prehistory. Sweet. Yeah. I wonder how many Czech Republic movie or Czechoslovakia movies we've done. I know I did Valerie in her Week of Wonders um, a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. I, I got to put together a running uh, like a count of um, what countries have been represented. <laughs> so then next year I can really go for some some ones where we haven't really touched on. Yeah, more films from Senegal. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's get deep in it. Um, but for my next pick, I'm going to go to. I'm going to guess this is maybe either the third... I'm going to guess this is the third most represented country on our Criterion list. I'm going with... Italy? Uh, the UK? Well, I guess then I, I maybe I'm wrong, <laughs> but I, I think it is. Woman in the Dunes from Japan. Japan. Oh, yeah, probably is Japan. Just because I feel like, for sure, Colin always picks a Japanese movie. I think I've picked a Japanese movie every year. Sure. Then again... Probably picked a British movie every year too. I feel like Colin picks a lot of British movies. They're so fancy because you're so you're so fancy. That's what I was, yeah, I was just gonna say. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I wanted to watch *Woman in the Dunes* because I watched um, the um, another film by this director a few years ago, *Face of Another*. That director being Hiroshi um, Teshigahara, and I love that movie. It was my favorite movie that I watched that year. It was kind of like experimental, weird sci-fi, and this one is. It sounds similar in that it's super weird, and it's um, got the same screenwriter of that other movie, too. I think it's both times there's a screenwriter adapting his own book, that writer being uh, Kobo Abe, who's pretty uh, acclaimed novelist in, um, in Japan. And let me just get the premise right here. An entomologist, so a bug guy, <laughs> on vacation is trapped by local villagers into living with a woman whose life task is shoveling sand for them. Sounds super weird. I love the fact that this is a bug guy. And I'm looking at all these pictures, all these like crazy pictures of these deserts and dunes. Uh, I mean, yeah, I love Face of Another so much that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to check out anything this guy makes, especially if it's with the same writer. Because uh, it just looked like amazing. So pretty high hopes for this. It's kind of, It's a little long. It's 146 minutes. It's not that long, but it's long for me. I'm looking um, at the cover art the Criterion made. It looks like another sexy movie you're watching. Oh, really? I'm just looking at. I'm looking at the old school poster. <laughs> I want to check this out. I'm gonna see what kind of sex rating I give this on a scale of one to ten. 
Ooh, yeah, this is an eight for sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is some. Pa- that's a passionate embrace if I've ever seen one. Again, beautiful, stark black and white. Some pretty stunning cinematography here. I love the desert, man. The desert is a cool place. I mean, except that it's hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some. It seems like sometimes you can get this. Uh, oh, cool! There's like a Criterion uh, box set where you can get three films from Hiroshi Teshigahara, and it's Woman in the mm. Dunes, Face of Another, and another movie I don't know called Pitfall. So maybe I'll watch that movie next year. Sounds about right. So, more Japanese new wave. I wonder if it'll be my favorite this year. Do you guys remember what some of your favorites were in past years doing this Criterion list? Oh sure. Uh, well, for I remember last year I really liked Grey Gardens a whole lot. Still gotta see Grey Gardens. The year before that is definitely Anatomy of a Murder. And bicycle thieves because those fuckers stole his bike. Oh, it's f- so fucked up. God, <laughs> this, this is how people back. talk about the bike. <laughs> <laughs> these fucking assholes. Well, I think my favorite one last year was the uh, House of Games. Yeah, and oh, I remember yeah. one year it was yeah one year it was Face of Another. I want to say another year it was. Um, uh, Strangers in Paradise. I don't know. Colin, do you, remember, do you ever have a year where you were surprised? Like, oh, this was my favorite movie I watched that year. Mm, not really. I guess you're probably a little more. You usually know what you're getting yeah. into. Sean and I are usually more taking a shot in the dark. I Speaking of like positive surprises, though, Harakiri was that one where I had had that DVD for a fucking decade before <laughs> I finally watched it. And it kicked ass. Nice. It's so violent. My favorite part of that review was that you didn't finish it on time, but still the day that you were supposed to put your review up, you just copy and pasted the Wikipedia page for it. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's right. I did go back and put a review in. Because yeah. I'd gone camping, I believe. Mm-hmm. So oh, I needed, yeah. I needed something to just go up on the day so that you guys didn't have to wait for me. Right, right. Cool. Yeah, it's always fun when you find those... Uh, total surprise movies i feel like you're gonna find that a lot this year sean because you're picking some uh, more obscure movies so yeah and i think i found one that's my maybe my sexy one to watch. oh okay uh, yeah it's 1982's losing ground uh actually that's fine it's the same year that kane river was supposed to come out uh, so i'll be doing it back to back that when are you gonna put week? kane river are you gonna put it near the end <laughs> i, think I guess that's it. that's that's your choice yeah I'll, i think i'd put it in 82 unless i'm overrepresented in the 80s which i might be um so losing ground is one of the first uh, feature films that was directed by an african-american woman in this case kathleen collins uh and it's the story of a uh, a couple uh the the woman uh, in the couple is a professor uh and uh the the man uh to be heteronormative is a uh artist and they're both uh uh, and I guess in a, in a good place with their careers, and so they go to summer upstate and and have a, a profound experience together, it sounds like. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's notable first and foremost for, for being one of the, the very first movies directed by African-American woman. Um, but 
Uh, it's also just ranked really highly on a lot of lists of uh, great movies by African-American filmmakers. So I'm looking forward to this one a lot, it sounds. Very easy to watch, very fun. Uh, totally my thing. I don't expect I'll be disappointed by this one. Okay, so for my next pick, it is a movie by a director. I think I saw one of his movies the first year. Um, it was Yee, uh, directed by Edward Yang, yeah. mm-hmm. which I like yeah, yeah. a lot. <laughs> Glad we're also supportive of Yee. <laughs> uh, and the, but the thing is, his like other most uh, acclaimed movie is really fucking long but i feel like this is this is the chance Ooh. for me to just force myself to watch it i'm sure i'll enjoy yeah. it it is i guess it would be the longest movie we've ever reviewed it's 237 <sighs> minutes long oh my God. it's called a brighter summer day came out in 1991 sounds like it's uh i don't know coming of age crime epic uh and I don't know much else about it, but I liked uh, like the one other Edward Yang movie I, I saw. What kind of movie was Yi? What genre was that? I don't remember. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I would just call it slice of life, but it's like a it's centered around a family, and like it, you see the family over the course of one year, and just how their lives change. There's not really a hook to it or anything. Yeah. So it's teen teen crime drama. How many teen crime dramas are there? I guess like uh, City of God yeah, is a teen that's what crime I was drama. Thinking. Yeah. Based on a true story. Very interesting. Conflict between two youth gangs. Oh, it's like West Side Story, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Pro- probably not. Probably a little more grounded. Yeah. I wonder why it's so long. What hey. time period is it set in? I think it's. Is it modern day? I think it's a period piece. I think it's set in like the fifties or sixties. Sounds like West Side Story. Yeah, set in the early sixties, <laughs> so right around the time that West Side Story came out. This <laughs> will probably be interesting to um, see. Uh, you know, not only a teen crime drama from that time period, but also from that region. Yeah. This is what, like Taiwan or something. Yep, Taiwan. So. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Hey, but speaking of teen crime movies and long movies, um, I have a subscription to HBO Max right now, and one of the movies I've been looking at watching is Giant, which is like three and a half hours long. Have either of you guys ever seen that movie? No, I haven't. The only Giant I know is the James Dean one, and he wasn't even that big. That's what I assumed Shaw was talking that, about. <laughs> that is, that's the one. Fix Six is Giant. Oh, with it's Rock long? Hudson and James yeah. Dean. Oh, it is long. long. Fuck. He's not even that big. <laughs> Did you assume that because James Dean was not that big and he died young, all his movies were short? Yeah. Right? That checks out. <laughs> giant. Why is it called giant? I guess because it's just of giant legs. Like, yes. Jesus Christ. So that's a teen crime drama too, huh? Okay, I'm glad that we're uh, honing in all these teen crime dramas. It sounds like a very interesting genre. 
I don't think giant. I, I was thinking uh, like Rebel Without a Cause is maybe teen crime, but not really. I mean, I James Dean was young. I feel like if as long as he's doing one bad thing, you could say it's teen crime. <laughs> but I, I, from what I understand, Giant is about um, Rock Hudson like owns a cattle ranch in Texas, and he has to reckon with the fact that the history of Texas is super fucked up and racist. Um, so I wouldn't really. I don't think that's a. <laughs> you don't think there's any parts of James Dean? It's like stealing some wagon wheels. <laughs> I can't rule it out. <laughs> I mean, there's so much time. They had to, you know, I'm sure they uh, <laughs> got to fill that with something, right? Stealing wagon wheels. That's what I'd do. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, that's going to be so fucking long. Have fun with yeah, that. Yeah. Good luck, dude. I think for that too, Colin, your review has to be uh, the longest review we've ever had for Criterion. But we'll see. I'll do my best. Five thousand words. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Okay, for my next pick, uh, this was like a movie that I've been meaning to pick for so long. Just seems like a John movie because uh, it's kind of adjacent to a genre that I'm interested in. Uh. Yeah, this is one I probably should have picked the first year we ever did this. It's Picnic at Hanging Rock. Um, Australian mystery drama. I feel like sometimes it's kind of considered part of the Ozploitation genre, though obviously it's like a little um, uh, higher culture. It's not like super gritty. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, but it's based off a book, and it's about a group of girls who go missing um, out in the wilderness in Australia. And it was like the breakout film for Peter Weir, who uh, has gone on to have like a fairly successful Hollywood career. He made Dead Poet Society and Truman Show and The Master and Commander. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is one of his, his, Colin, his early ones. Out. It has boats. I've seen it. Oh, it sure does have boats. boats. Of course he's seen it, Sean. It's got boats. I know my boats, Sean. But Picnic, I mean, it seems like people are really into this book. So much so that I feel like people have assumed that this is a true story. But I don't think it is. It's just based off a book. I think, like, Margot Robbie or someone was in a recent version of Picnic and Hanging Rock. Uh, so obviously there must be something in that story that people find really appealing if they keep, you know, revisiting this story. Um, but I love Australian films just because Australia is such a weird wasteland of a place it's you know such a great location for films uh you know and this sounds like kind of a thriller a little bit i don't i don't i'm trying to like not know too much about it because i want to be surprised like surprises uh but yeah picnic hang rock it's been a long time coming mean it been meaning to pick this film for a long time Oh, I gotta put one down for Australia. I'm trying to keep tabs of uh, all the countries, but I feel like um, I might have messed up somewhere. But I think I got most of them. It's hard to keep track of America. It's just such a powerhouse. Yeah. We got another one for America, Sean. Bet your ass. Yeah, hell yeah. This one's for America. <laughs> you bet your ass. What we got? Uh, 1983, 84. I'm not quite sure on the year. Uh produced a drama film called bless their little hearts which is my pick for this slot um it is directed by uh billy woodbury and uh was written and shot by charles burnett 
uh, who uh, is one of those people that I know a lot of people have a ton of respect for, but I'm not I'm not sure what he's what he's done. Do you guys know the name Charles Burnett? Yeah, Killer of Sleep is his big movie that I haven't. Killer seen. of Sheep or Killer of Sheep? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Clearly, I'm an expert. <laughs> I think he has. Hey, tell, a, tell us all about this uh, the Sleep movie. Yeah, I think he has a movie in the Criterion Collection. It's like a Danny Glover movie. Huh. Can't remember what it's called. It has anger in the title. To sleep with anger. That's it, right? Not to sheep with anger. Hell yeah! All right. Well, I was one for two. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Um, this is a uh, part of the like uh, the the West Coast black cinema renaissance. Um, came out of the UCLA Film School in the seventies and the eighties. Uh, it's the story of a uh, a man who's trying to take care of his family, but he deals with um, difficulty keeping a job and and providing for them. Um, and uh, and you know it's kind of about just the struggles of him and and this family. Uh, and it's another one of these movies that was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation. So. Again, I have no idea how hard it is to get in there, but that seems important. Oh, yeah. I feel bad. I've never heard of this movement, this L.A. Rebellion movement. I don't think I know any of these movies. Um, so my movie is another Australian movie from around Aussie, the same Aussie, time Aussie. period. Yeah. Uh, it's My Brilliant Career, directed by Gillian Armstrong. Starring Judy Davis and Sam Neill. Don't know much about it, but... That title makes me hate it. Why? My brilliant career. Too arrogant. Things are working out so good for you, huh? Maybe it's, like, sarcastic. I don't know. It probably is. (laughs) Sounds like it's based on a book. It is about a writer. they, They couldn't change the name of the book. Yeah. So blame the author, okay? If we're, okay. we're going to blame anyone, it's this Miles Franklin woman. <laughs> it's all her fault. Fuck you, Miles Franklin. <laughs> Having it so good being a <laughs> turn of the 20th century female author. You know, she, sure yeah, she probably had to go by Miles Franklin, right? Because she was a woman. Because <laughs> things were going so well for her. She looks so sad in her Wikipedia picture. I can't believe we're piling on her like this. <laughs> Yeah, it's so easy. Yeah. So based on the book cover, there's a woman riding a horse with a whip, and there's a bunch of sheep. So uh-huh. is She's that what's sheep. going on? Yeah. What's with you and sheep? Sheep and boats. Sheep and boats. They can combine those two. That's the perfect column movie. It's got to be a British movie about sheep and boats. Yeah. Like you a like, guy has to transport a bunch of sheep on his bar. Exactly. Like like Babe, but like he's got to get. The sheep from one side of the river to the other, and there's a bunch of Alec shepherds. Guinness plays all the sheep. Hell yeah! <laughs> I don't know so what, what that looks like. <laughs> is head on the sheep? Or is yeah, it like, it's sheep like animated, costume? you know, like fabulous Baron Munchausen and stuff. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, what made you pick this film, Colin? Uh, you know, I, I just wanted to choose a few women directors. And I didn't choose yeah. that many. <laughs> really, only chose two. But uh, and, and 
Jillian Armstrong I've heard of. I think she's most known in the U.S. for directing the 90s version of Little Women. Um, oh, yeah. So she had, a, she had a little bit of a Hollywood career, but this was kind of her, her breakout movie. Okay. Um, my next film is... It's, it's hilarious, you guys. I'm just... I just I can't even say the name without cracking up. <laughs> it's Funny Games from 1997 um, from Michelle Annika. This movie's from Austria. Uh, pretty famous uh, sadistic torture movie. Um, I've seen I've actually seen the remake before. That was a long time ago. And I actually kind of hated it. So I don't know what I'm doing here because that remake... Yeah is uh was also by michelle annika and it was using the same script <laughs> same director same script basically the same movie again uh but yet I, and i don't even know which one people say is better but i'm always trying to get more into him just because i don't know he's one of those dra- those directors i really want to like uh, i want to crack he's he's just his stuff is so solemn and dark but the way he shoots it and the way he uh, plays with narrative and structure is just so interesting to me and this one is like sort of horror adjacent it might even be in the horror section of the criterion website so i felt like yeah i should probably check this out at some point see what the deal is um and maybe since I already know what to expect, like when I saw that other funny games movie, the Naomi Watts, Tim Roth one, I knew nothing. So I didn't know that this was going to be like the most downer of all downers. <laughs> so I think going in, being prepared um, in that way, will probably, I think I'll be okay with watching it. I won't feel uh, as depressed. I'm really hoping this isn't a really low rating. I don't know. I have, I don't know what to expect. Do you guys have any thoughts on Michelle Annika? No. So all these movies, I'm like, I guess I should see that sometime, <laughs> right? Like, Amour and The Piano Teacher and Cash. Even Amour is the most depressing thing ever. <laughs> like, yeah, I haven't seen any of his movies. I just feel like his movies are so... I, I've, I've, I think he's got a couple in Criterion. Sure. Maybe Code Unknown is in Criterion, which I thought about. I might pick that at some point. Um, and he definitely has some on the channel. I think Benny's video is on the channel, but I don't think it's in the Criterion Collection. But that's a movie I want to see. That also sounds super fucked up. Uh, yeah. Interesting guy. Love his Twitter. Do you guys remember that? <laughs> I don't. There's uh, During the Oscars um, where Amor was, uh, you know, nominated someone started like a fake michelle hanukkah twitter and it was just like made him seem like really stupid and crass and just like oh i wish i could remember what some of those were um i'm trying to google him right now and i feel like he wasn't like super amused by it because he's like a pretty serious guy so hopefully i don't know if that twitter still exists oh i'm looking i'm looking Here's me having a secret nap when Ben Affleck was doing his speech. What did I miss? Did he announce Daredevil 2 yet? Lol. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a picture of him sitting next to Ben Affleck. It's not, wait, it's not even Ben Affleck. It's somebody else. <laughs> I don't know who it is. But yeah, just making him see, like, go like, lol, what? You know, just like make him seem super stupid. So, uh, Yeah. 
you know, gotta continue my reputation as the Michelle Hanukkah expert of this group, apparently. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the thing about Criterion, like, someone will just pick a director and it's like, oh, he's, he's got him on lockdown. I feel like I can't pick an Ozu film because Colin's got that on lockdown. Oh, yeah. Be Don't even attempt. Don't even try. <laughs> Although that was, like, definitely walking away from last Criterion Month, I was like, oh, I'm going to pick a Ozu movie just to fuck Colin up. Yeah. But then I knew in advance he wasn't going to pick one this year, or so he told me. Mystery. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I wasn't lying to you, Sean. Well, you have to use one of your alternates now, so you can get away with it. Sure. I don't, um, I, don't I don't need to use any of my alternates because my next one is a movie that was distributed by PBS. Um, that being said, it sounds great. Uh, it's it's a 1989 film called Sidewalk Stories, uh, directed by and starring Charles Lane, uh, who is I don't know. I don't know this guy. I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping something would come up. Just hoping a fun fact would just appear before you. Um, but um, it, it's funny that uh, that Charlie Chaplin came up because this movie is a remake of The Kid, uh, but set in 1980s New York. Uh, it is a shot in black and white. It is a silent film. Um. And it's, I, I'm assuming it's a, it's a bit more bleak since it's being updated to 1980s New York. Although you never know, things are pretty bad in the kid times too. That's kind of the point of that movie. Yeah, they're like bums. <laughs> That's their preferred. <laughs> so you call people in the, tw- in the 20s, they're all bums. Those bums. Because that was like... I don't know if that or the Great Depression was the height of like carrying around a bindle, <laughs> or having trousers with like a you know a patch on the back. I talk about it like it's funny, but it's a serious thing. Yeah, that's the trick. Uh, but yeah, uh, this one I found a Roger Ebert review of, and he gave it three and a half stars and talked about how seeing a silent movie in 1989 or whatever he saw it was a profound experience because he. Like realized he had to actually pay attention to movies way more than he used to at that point. Um, and they said that like the 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 comedy's good and the emotions good and looks good. It's pretty good. Once again, it's called Sidewalk Stories. Cool. Um. My next pick is uh, my lone pick from the 2000s. It's a 2007 Romanian film called Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. I remember this movie coming out in 2007 and critics being all about it. But I just, I don't know. I don't think I was ready. Is this the Marion Cotillard movie? No, that's... uh, What am I thinking? What the fuck is that movie called? It's It's like two days or something. I can't remember. I've seen that movie. What's this one called? Four Four months, months. three weeks, and two days. Which is how long, Colin? How many days is that? Oh. Uh, hundred and thirty-six. I guess it depends what months they are. 
I'm putting it at 144. Okay. Um, I'll get back to you about that uh, after you've after I've seen this movie. It's about um, some women in communist uh, Romania trying to get an abortion, and it's just like about how hard that is or was at that period in time. Although I'm sure there are tons of countries and tons of time periods where getting abortion has been really hard to do. America uh, 2020. Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's always a hot topic. So yeah, I don't know. I never saw it at the time because it sounded depressing, and it probably is. But I feel like that's know? the explanation for so many Criterion movies. Yeah, oh, it's, it's just depressing, or it's long. Or it's a time to just sit down and watch movies that you would otherwise avoid because you don't want to be sad. Yeah, so, sounds interesting. Hmm. Even though I wasn't sure what it was, but it does sound interesting. And Romania. Hey, I can't think of any Romanian movies off the top of my head. So that's always fun to kind of, you know, visit a country maybe you don't uh, see many movies from very, very often. Yeah, we just got to try and get all of the countries in the European Union. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, hey, we're going back to America (laughs) with my pick. Though it's an American movie, but it takes you to some, it takes you to uh, distant lands. (laughs) takes you to the Arctic. I'm picking the Nook of the North, which was one of the earliest earlier criterions. I think that it might be out of print now. It's not one I hear about often in the Criterion Collection. I feel like Nook's reputation is that it's a huge lie. Uh, it's a documentary about. Um, I don't know if if you can if if you still say Eskimo if that's considered um, not the proper term these days, um, but it is about. Um, a man native to the Canadian Arctic, uh, and a documentary following his his daily life. But the director took a lot of like liberties and made it seem way more primitive than it was. I feel like people uh, talk about this movie more in the context of it was very interesting, um, like the process they used in which they made it and how they shot it and how they edited it. You know, kind of like how people, I guess, talk about birth of a nation where it's like yeah this movie is super racist uh, but people still talk about it and like how interesting it was and, and how it was made um, that's something I, I was thinking about earlier today yeah. is the fact that like all the like breakthrough landmark movies are very problematic like the jazz that's, singer is another one which i believe features a lot of blackface yeah and i feel like this might this might be a pretty problematic movie uh but I wanted to pick a movie from the 20s, and there really isn't a whole lot in um, the Criterion Collection that was jumping out at me. But I feel like I always heard about Nanook in, in like film school. Um, and hey, man, if it is turn out to be like super racist or something, then I can just drag it under the bus in my review. We'll see. Sure. I don't know what kind of review this is going to be. Um, I did see uh, when they parodied it on Documentary Now, and that was a great episode. So if it's anything <laughs> like that comedic parody, then I'm going to have a good time. I'm not sure how easy this is to see. That's a that's a thing. Uh, that That's my approach for Criterion Month, is seeing movies that are hard to see, whereas Sean tries to see movies that are easy to see. I mean, easier in my experience, them. if a silent movie isn't on the Criterion channel, it's probably just on YouTube. <laughs> Because it's so old. I, I feel yeah. like I heard Nook was somewhere recently, though. 
like isn't it on like HBO Max or something? <laughs> Maybe. Gotta use that subscription. It's on HBO Max and the Criterion Channel. You can watch both um, versions and compare them. Oh wow, the star of this movie, his name is not Nanook. Nanook is a fictional name. Is Alakarilak. Wow. And the movie is made by Robert Flaherty. I wonder what this guy went on to do. He made a movie called Moana. Uh, not the re- more recent one. That'd be he'd have to be pretty old to do that. Um, That'd be I don't pretty know. Cool though. <laughs> I haven't made a movie in a hundred years, but I'm back. I made this movie a hundred years ago. Now here's Moana. <laughs> I'm gonna appropriate another culture. I've still got time. I'm really. I don't know what I'm walking into with this guy, guys. I'm scared. We'll see. All right, Nick. Uh, yeah, Sean, when, when I mean, back. welcome to the club of. I don't know if I should be writing about these. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to being ex- exposed to a lot of a lot of history that I would not have. And we were talking about the L.A. Rebellion a bit ago. This is another movie from that movement. This one is directed by Julie Dash, and it's called Daughters of the Dust. It is the story of three generations of women living in these United States of ours, starting out in South Carolina. I don't know if they are entirely in South Carolina or if they move around, Um, but this is another movie that is in the library of Congress. (laughs) Hell yeah. What was it called again? Daughters of the Dust. Okay. It was in Sundance 1991, so it was around. And, you know, uh, Julie Dash, right? She just, she's still sort of famous, doesn't she do? I've uh, heard of her. <laughs> music why. videos or something? Movies? Music videos, yes. Tracy Chapman music videos, among other artists. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking through Wikipedia right now. A lot of work. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're getting to that point where these people are still around. I mean, this movie came out in 1991. Sounds good to me. Let's see what the quotes on the poster say. A film okay. of visionary power. An unprecedented achievement in terms of world cinema and African aesthetics. It's weird to hear an American film described as an achievement of world cinema. Uh, yeah, that sounds kind of odd. <laughs> <laughs> you think a white person wrote that? George. I can't read it. Some of the village voice. All right. Be checking that one out uh, probably later in July. What about you, Colin? All right, so here's my uh, the one I'm substituting in. I guess we're now on to our last picks. the last pick, right? Yep. <gasps> Final battle. Final battle. <laughs> so mine's a film I've actually... I feel like I've known about this movie, or at least heard of it for a while. Maybe just because it has a distinctive title. It is uh, Z from 1969, directed by a Greek director, Costa Gavras. God damn it, I... Yeah, Costa Gavras. It's his name's weird because it's got a hyphen in it. 
I don't understand how that works. But Costa Gavras. Yeah. Are you saying it's one name hyphenated? Costa hyphen Gavras. Whoa. I'm gonna I didn't know you could do that. One point for France and one point for Algeria. Yeah. Maybe Algeria will get the behind the, the win. I don't, I, I don't know what <laughs> country to put this in. Because, yeah. It looks like you said, yes, it's French Algerian. But it seems but. to be about a period in Greek history. So, I don't know. And it's a Greek director. Okay. But I guess it was just French financed. I guess. I don't know. It's like a political thriller type thing. Um, I don't know. Sounds like it might be similar to the Battle of Algiers, which I watched a few years ago and really enjoyed. Maybe that was my most surprising movie that I really liked that year, whatever year that was. But yeah, that's uh, it's, it's my my backup. I can say I can tell you it's uh, this film star is no stranger to Criterion Month. Jean-Louis uh, Trigtenant because he was in Three Colors Red. We did that, right? Yeah. Maybe that's the one we did it too. We no, did that, right? that, that was the one I reviewed. Okay, and we did um, And God Created Woman. And yeah, okay. I, I don't know if this is the Criterion Collection. We haven't done it, but he is also in Amour, which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Alright, cool. Do you know if it's pronounced Z or Z? I don't know. Or like Zeta, because it's Greek. Yeah, I mean, it might be whatever that letter is in, I don't know, whatever whatever language you're speaking. <laughs> it was nominated for Best Picture. That doesn't happen often for foreign best, language. Not, so not Best Foreign Picture, best just Best Picture. It was nominated for both, which doesn't happen that what? often. What? Yeah. Not wow. That, that like only happened the one time this year. <laughs> well, and Crouching Tiger. I think Roma also. Uh, oh, so even recently, and I just forgot. It happens sometimes. But it is, what language is it? Is it in, is it in French? Oh, what's it in? Let me, I'll look. I can, I got Google handy. My good friend, yeah. Google. Wikipedia it says. to be in multiple languages. Yeah, it says French, French, Russian, and English. <laughs> Dang, man. So, is, uh, this an, is this an epic or is this a normal length? It's 127 minutes. My okay. other backup so, was ooh, an epic. Your hand. What? Don't chop your arm off. Why not? Because it's 100, 127 minutes. Oh. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> what if that's how long it took him for like, well, I guess I'm not getting out of here. <laughs> Whack. 127 minutes. And then that's how long the movie is. That'd be perfect. I love it when movies in real time. No. It's pretty badass. All right. Oh, what was your other backup, Colin? Uh, there's an Italian movie called The Leopard. Which stars uh, Burt Lancaster. Um, dude. Alan Delon. But dude, it, Italy got shut out this year. Yeah, it was, it was close, though. But the thing That's is crazy. that that movie is like... 200 minutes and i already picked one super long movie <laughs> and i also got shafted on my one super short movie because black girls like under an hour so i went hey, you need to tell the people that 
It's fine. It happens. What did you happen to write down what the Italian word for leopard is? I'm just interested to know. Il gattapardo. <laughs> Dude, that sounds so cool. Yeah, it's got a cool poster. Maybe I'll choose it next year. Okay, on to my last pick, which I technically have seen. I don't remember anything from it, but I saw it as at a young age, surprisingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm mainly watching it because I don't know why it's in the Criterion Collection all of a sudden. It's a recent addition. It makes absolutely no sense to me, but they have recently uh, entered in uh, the 1953 version of The War of the Worlds. The George Powell science fiction, uh, yeah, just fun science fiction movie. That I like. This is so weird. Like, I, as far as I know, this movie isn't considered like super thought provoking or high art. This is just a fun aliens and spaceships blast and shit movie. Like, I guess um, it was pretty renowned at the time for its visual effects. I believe it won an Oscar for its uh, some sort of Oscar. I'm not sure um, if they had that category back then. It looks like they did. And it says it's a great influence to a lot of other films. Um, of course, based off the uh, the famous story, but instead of it being in Victorian England, it is in Southern California, where all the cool people are. Uh, a bunch California. of 50s cowboy actors in this movie that I don't really know. Gene Barry, Anne Robinson. I'm trying to look for a single name in here I know. I, t- I feel like I know... Oh, George Powell's the producer. I'm going to see if I know who he is. Um, but no, uh, I have seen this movie. Um, when I was a kid, I got on a motorcycle. I mean, my dad was riding the motorcycle. I was on the back. And we went to video, I think it was video update. And I just remember renting uh, the 50s War of the Worlds. Because like, oh, I love this movie when I was a kid. So we rode home on a motorcycle and watched War of the Worlds in the summertime. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. But, I, but again, I was like seven or eight so i don't remember it super well have you seen other versions of four of the worlds i mean how many versions are there i i guess i've seen this and the the spielberg one i I, i'm sure there's some weird british bbc one that exists (laughs) i'm gonna do a quick search on how many war of the worlds ones they have because, yeah, the original story, obviously, was written a long time ago in, like, the 1890s. So there's probably um, a version accurate to that. Looks like there's just... <laughs> okay, so, yeah, there's the 50s one, the 2005 one. Uh, then there's one produced by the Asylum <laughs> called H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, which, wow, it came out the same year as the Spielberg War of the Worlds. What are the odds? Parallel thought. Oh, wow, and they got C. Thomas Howell and Jake Busey, the biggest stars of the time. Faux show. And there Which is... one is C. Thomas Howell? Is he the one from Soul Man? He is the one from okay. Soul Man. <laughs> Which might be... what That's got to be like the most problematic film An- in history. Another now, groundbreaking right? <laughs> film that is now problematic, unfortunately. Oh, you know, they've been, there's been all these films that they've been taking off of streaming services... That probably wasn't on any to begin with, but for sure isn't now. Yeah. Everything I've ever seen for that movie is, oh my god. The whole thing about that movie is he pretends to be black to get into a school or something, right? That sounds right. Ooh, he actually goes through a procedure to become black. He takes tanning pills. Oh. 
He doesn't even look. He looks like Indian. Oh, no. Why did they make this? (laughs) This is... I'm just trying to remember. Didn't Mindy Kaling, like her brother, pretended to be black? Really? I didn't know this. That... I don't know, though. Did that really happen? I, I swear there was a story that he he said he because his skin was dark enough that he he just tried to pass himself off as a black person uh when he was in school or or maybe right after he graduated from school because he said that there was more prejudice against indian people than there were black people in whatever his field of work was yeah that's not funny or really even interesting but it's a thing I sort of remember, so I figured I'd record it forever. That's <laughs> true. Uh, well, actually, um, my last pick is not uh, an Indian film because I'm I'm I am going to review the last of the Apu trilogy, but I'll do that as like a bonus post on the thirty first. Um, so my my last pick is the Watermelon Woman. Um, which I'm excited to watch in part because I can't watch The Watermelon Man because it's not on Criterion Collection, which is a uh, Melvin Van Peebles film. I'm just so sad that I don't get to explore the filmography of Melvin Van Peebles at all as part of this experiment. Um, but this movie is, um, uh, as well as being a uh, another film directed by African-American woman and, and starring her as well, uh, in this case, Cheryl Dunye. Uh, it's also um, the uh, the first film directed by uh, African American lesbian, uh, and is considered um, an early landmark in uh, the new queer cinema. Uh, another uh, film movement that I don't know a ton about. Um, so yeah, I think. Let's let me just Google Library of Congress real quick while I'm on the page. Might be a little new for the Library of Congress. No, it doesn't look like it's in the Library of Congress <laughs> yet. It'll, be in It'll get there. Um, yeah, it says uh, it's uh, the story of a young woman who's working at a video store while trying to make a film about a black actress from the 1930s uh, who's known for playing uh, stereotypical mammy roles. Uh, so there you go. I mean, come on. It's, uh, it's a movie about someone trying to make movies. Everybody loves those. It's, they're so popular. That's why they win all the Academy Awards. Because regular people love that, that style of story. True. Regular people like the best things. <laughs> That's what makes them regular. That's why the right movie always wins Best Picture every year. And there's never any controversy. That's why we all... Are <laughs> That's why my real last pick is the Green Book. Yeah, why didn't you pick Green Book, Sean? It's important. That shit's way too mainstream for a Criterion Collection. God, what if they put it in there? <laughs> what would happen to the, the, the community, the film community, if they added Green Book? And they made it look like the, the old Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... That's what they do. But then you open up the green book and it's just all these pictures of Vigo Mortensen like eating KFC and eating hot dogs. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Not no, a single like picture that? exists of those two guys hanging out. They're just best friends. 
Now, John, you are someone who loves cinematic food and people eating oh. food in cinema. Yes, did yes, did yes, that yes, movie yes, at yes. least check those boxes for you? Absolutely, man. <laughs> that scene where he's eating the KFC, like, I'm like, this is fucked up. But the chicken, <laughs> it looks very good. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. It's, and he's throwing the bones out into the road, which uh, it seems like a fun idea. I, don't, I wouldn't do it myself, but, like, that's the life, right? To just throw bones out of your window. <laughs> I just um, remember the family of the uh, of the the guy. I can't remember the character's name now. The musician in the film was like, "Of course he'd eaten fried chicken." Like, what? They're like, actually like in the film. He's like, "Fried chicken? I've never had this. It's so greasy." It's like Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> When's that uh, that writer's other film coming out? Remember, it was called like "That's Amore" or something. Is about pizza. It's not just called "Forget About It." It was like something really <laughs> stupid, and it's about like a rom com with like a pizzeria. Ugh, I that guy's like got to be canceled by now, right? Because that tw- they uncovered that tweet where he's like, "Muslims were celebrating on 9-11, I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> yeah. Good lord! Seems like that would so be a pretty good way Trumper? to get canceled. Oh hell yeah. The, yeah! the writer of Green Book. And that was I don't like, think the Fairly guy is, but that was like uh, before was it won Best Picture. Oh yeah, like people oh, yeah. thought it was going to anyone... stop it, but no, you couldn't stop the Green Book train. I from... guess people didn't think it was going to get the attention that it got, so they weren't expecting uh, this guy to be a part of the conversation. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't hear from him again. All right, well, I'm counting up all the totals of all the countries, and it looks like the winner is the Library of Congress. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, USA cleaned up this year. Yeah. I don't think any other film even had three. There's a couple that have two selections. Oh no, France has France has uh, four. Um, then Japan has two, and Australia has two. A lot of ones though. We're uh, we're pretty diverse with most of our countries this year. Which um, is good. I have done the schedule. And, as usual, there is one week where I have to write six reviews. <laughs> like, uh, consecutively? Uh, no. Uh, you do one in the middle of it, and then Colin comes in and interrupts my last three. So it's three, a John, two me, Colin, and then me again. Uh, are you going to be okay with that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, all, I, it's, it's yeah. towards the end of the month, so I've, I've got time to prep those reviews. I do I, notice some of the movies you're watching are like a little shorter, so hopefully that makes it um, a little easier to get through that yeah. many, some of the early, older ones. Um, uh, not like Colin's epic that he's going to have to write an essay about. Yeah. You should just someday. do like two sentences, Colin, be like, this is pretty good, I guess. So, um, should I read the schedule out? Is that something we do? I don't remember. Um, you can. Yeah, go I, for it. You've okay. already teased it. The listeners have to know. Yeah. So, so, John, you'll be starting us with the Nook of the North. Um, then I get to review Body and Soul. And then a Colin 2 feature uh, with a lot Latalante. Uh, as well as showboat, the big the, boat, the big boat, double feature, uh, and then we have the big John double feature with the Grand Illusion and the the Great Dictator, 
then I come in, swoop in there with the blood of Jesus, and then I'm out for a while. Uh, Colin comes in, reviews Kind Hearts and Coronets, then John does War of the Worlds, then Colin does The Fabulous Baron Munchausen, and then John does Woman in the Dunes, then I'm back, black girl, in there. Symbio Psycho Taxiplasm, boom, in there. Uh, and then Colin again, double features, Z or Z or Zeta or who knows. Uh, and also Lady Snowblood after that. Uh, and then a quick John where he does Picnic at Hanging Rock. And then a double Colin again with Mikey and Nikki and My Brilliant Career, which I'm still skeptical about that title. Um, and then uh, Sean Week starts. Losing Ground, Kane River, Bless Their Hearts, All Me. John gets the police story. That'll be a sweet interruption. I should probably watch these <laughs> stories here. Um, then I'm back. Sidewalk Story stars the dust. Kong comes in with a bright summer day. I finish it off with the watermelon woman. Um, the John uh, bringing his 21st century who know what's with funny games and e to mama tambien the sexy times opposite of sexy times the aftermath six times is what Colin does with his last movie four months three weeks two days which is 143 days uh, uh, if they're all 30 day months um, then John uh, drops a bomb with his final pick uh, last year's portrait of lady on fire uh, and then my unofficial finale will be the conclusion of the Apu trilogy, Apu Sansar, a.k.a. The World of Apu, which I'm really looking forward to, to wrapping that one up and finding a new trilogy to commit myself to uh, next time we do this Criterion thing. So that is the schedule. The picks have been made. The draft is complete. July is just around the corner, so stay tuned uh, to MileyPlease.com to read those reviews uh, and subscribe to our feed on iTunes or whatever. Just search for the words mildly and pleased in that order, mildly pleased. Uh, we might do one more podcast. It, uh, June is the sixth month of the year, so we're halfway through the year, so we might do a uh, best of the year so far podcast. Otherwise, um, you'll have to wait for the new season of The Pick, which I'm sure will be coming in August. Uh, so that's all from us. Thank you for listening, and keep on reading. Bye. Bye.